right, we're back, guys, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up, and how you living? Live in effect here in the Million Dollar Studios on top of Chaz Tower. How are you living today, Chaz? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to be back after, you know, a two-week break and everything, kind of catch up on what's going on in the world and the craziness that is America. Yeah, we're one of the many programs that had a Mooch episode, and then uh, in the two weeks since we left, Mooch is out of a job. Right? I mean, you know, you bring in General Mattis, and he's like, nah, boy, get out of hell. Get out of here. Get out of hell. And uh, since there's a lot to cover today, I guess that'll kind of kick us off for our normal starting segment. Callbacks. The uh, segment where we go over things that have uh, been going on in previous episodes. And uh, to kick that off, definitely (laughs) our focus episode where we spent probably about 10 minutes of it talking about Scarmucci. The Mooch. And about how uh, him taking over the press corps was going to change and shake things up. And now he's he's out. Yeah, he shouldn't have went off on Renz Priebus like that to the bull. Yeah. Like, I was listening to a little thing about how... um, uh, when he just heard him going, he's all like, you know, you didn't say this was off the record. And Scaramucci kind of assumed it was off the record. And he was all like, I, I have this big I have this big scoop. What do I do with it? Right. And, you know, he just you, you let it out. And Scaramucci, and the good thing, I'm glad that Scaramucci was like, yeah, nah, I should have said something. Like, nah, damn. Yeah. And so. Yeah, no, it's uh, what he's gone now. So pretty much you got to uh, you got to move on from there. And uh, and see what uh, see what what comes out of the press corps now with uh, Sarah Huckabee still being the the mouthpiece at the podium most of the press corps thing. So you know what I will I will give uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, um, you know some props for being able to sell President Trump's bullshit better than Sean Spicer. Okay, right? She like it's still the same bullshit, right? But it, where Sean Spicer sounded like he's that agitated teenager that goes like well mom but you said i could right that's how sean spicer sounds at least sarah huckabee sanders is more assertive with the assertions that she's making about what she projects the president is trying to say what what he's doing right and it comes off more official she she definitely feels more yeah like i said that she probably definitely believes the message more Mm -hmm. i think it's more in line with where she's at than perhaps where spicer was um, I think he was just kind of doing the job because it is, I mean, it is a prestigious job, you know, Yeah. like you get, you're in the news every single day, essentially. Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, so, uh, yeah, Mooch is gone. Uh, any other callbacks to any of the important topics we've covered in uh, previous episodes that you were thinking about? Um, definitely like, so when we're recording this, the previous day, there was a, um, a white pride rally, a Nazi rally over in Charlottesville, Virginia. And as we're recording this now in Seattle, there is one going on in Seattle as well, too. And in ever since Trump got elected, these haven't been exactly new, but the one that happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, there. When we first heard about it last night, there was one 32-year-old woman dead, and now we're, we were looking at it live before we started recording, and there seems to be three dead. So we're hoping that nothing bad like that happens in Seattle today, but of course, it's it's a place where a lot of the surrounding areas has gun owners and has people who are probably willing to do more things if they're coming from outside of the city to come in here for their Pride Festival. 
Um, so it's something we got to look out for and something we will talk about later. But I guess I wanted to call back to when we talked about the different uh, regional cultures and how those regional cultures are really coming at a clash now. Right. Both based on like culture and economics. So the people. So if you lived in eastern Washington, for instance, and you voted in droves for Trump and it's a six hour drive to Seattle, you'll make that trek today yeah if you think people of like-mindedness will all make that trek exactly coalesce in the public sphere where the media controls the state you know the seattle media is the the state media essentially Mm -hmm. you know so they come where the media is as well as what they know to be a large opposition you know i mean they must consider this the liberal mecca you know Mm -hmm. and then of course they have their pockets of uh of resistance within our kind of areas that come you know come out of the woodwork right you know the hidden trump supporter you know because it wasn't like a hundred percent voted for hillary in king county you know no no there's a spot there where like two percent of king county voted for trump so yeah and definitely because UW had something closer to when the election started because it was, but that was a Yano Neonopolis sort of thing. And I can still see backlash and people in, and I'm definitely going to hear from a lot of the political pundits that I listen to, especially the YouTubers who are going to make it, um, who are going to try to misconstrue, misconstrue what the white nationalists are doing as not fascist. And and then they're saying and then they'll say the anti-fascists or antifa um, are going to be the ones who are the actual fascists. So you're going to hear a lot more of that too after this. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what President Trump would say to Wrong. that. Because and 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 oh gosh, and tangential. Like, have you heard the speech that President Trump said about the thing? It was very vague, and you know somebody else wrote that for him. So. Yeah, it it was very much like and and you and and the thing here is we know President Trump isn't going to denounce that shit because we already know that he supported them and people who support those organizations support him. So, you know, he's not going to come out and say Nazism is bad because they when they asked him point blank during the election, like, do you denounce Nazism? He was like, well, I don't know. Just a it's a thing. So, oh, no. Well, thank you very much. As you know, this was a small press conference, but a very important one. And it was scheduled to talk about the great things that we're doing with the secretary on the Veterans Administration. So, yeah, that was him when he first walked up to the the podium to then deliver the speech about Charlottesville. Yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, I, I expect this from the president and I think we just have to, the, the Vox Populi, the voice of the people have to be the one that says like, no, this is not the America I'm going to live in. And, but it, and I think the hardest thing for me is that is like, it's getting to the point where you want to, as a person to draw the line of any discourse with those people. Cause basically they're saying, Hey, if you have a certain skin color, you come from a certain part of the world. I don't like you just because of that. Right. And and I'm always about like and and I think that with their inherent values being about individualism, it's kind of hard to be like, you know, the world works together in synergy. Right. And that's when we do our best And the way y'all talking. We can't get there. Yeah. So, so you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, uh, and I, I mean, it, the Charlottesville thing, it's like I can't even go too far into it right now just because everything on the ground is kind of like still being understood, you know, what all went, what mm-hmm. transpired and uh, 
and who's responsible for what and uh and you know the national guards in there now or like some state guards or something so the state the national you know Mm -hmm. so um it's you know it's still a developing story and um it's it's definitely interesting that the the rallies continue i mean it's going to happen today in seattle like you said and uh the yeah i i don't i don't really know how we can uh prevent more situations like this i mean given the constraints of like law enforcement's ability to stop people and their freedom of speech you know it's kind of other than the like counter protest idea which is to some degree now escalating some of this you know so it's mm-hmm. it's becoming it's becoming a, a an interesting like thought question as to like what what are we supposed to be doing about this Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't endanger the lives because what if there's like because we also have to think about people who aren't even like in this fight oh yeah for sure i mean of course you know racial inequalities and 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 poverty and and the different things that like separate us as people when it comes to these ideology questions um those aside some people don't even have the capacity in their day right to add that to the list of things they need to take care of Mm -hmm. and so ideology isn't necessarily even on their agenda yeah for sure and those people could become fodder for the situation because they're going to be around and present in the areas where these clashes are going to occur Mm -hmm. you know that car could have hit an innocent bystander as easily as it could have hit anybody who was considered a protester that's true you know, and so, or, or, you know, uh, even the protester on the side of the person driving the car, the idea of using cars as an ideology statement is, is scary. You, you know, what's interesting is because there's a lot of memes floating around on Facebook that said, that basically says from the, from the right, because I'm a part of a group that posts a lot of the memes that get posted on the right. So you kind of get to know like what's on their brain. And then they would say whenever they see a group of protesters blocking them, um, they have a meme that says, I would love to run these people over. So, like, that happening wasn't as shocking as, like, when I heard it. Because I'm like, well, no, they talk like that all the time. And someone was trying to finally bold enough to just go fuck you. Right. Taking the rhetoric and, and yeah. taking it as, as literal and, mm-hmm. then, and then exercising it. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary too then, you know, and I mean, and I, and I don't know how to, you know, there's some, uh, a, a bit of like anecdotal evidence there, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, what, who was on the internet, who was saying that, I mean, so, yeah, but at the same time, I, I get that. I think, I think there are definitely, um, certain, certain elements that are tying this, this all together. I, I, it's scary, man. It's a scary yeah. time because it's, it's, it's a time where we need um le- good leadership there's there's problems abroad there's problems in the world that mm-hmm. need, need the strength of an america that's united and, and and is looking to to help the world and not be a burden on itself as well as the rest of the world right now yeah i mean we're bullying north korea to almost nuclear war essentially right and it's not like every other president within recent history from uh Bush one, the Clinton, the Bush two, and Obama have not provoked them, and but you know again like we can say that all we want, but it it feels like a broken record at this point. It's like, 
It's like Trump is going to do what Trump does, and we just and what we now hope as Americans, because we 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 saw the writing on the wall way before everyone else, but we also knew that political apathy combined with you know a surge of popular support got him elected, and now we have to deal with the consequences. And when we think about it now, we're going: Is his idiocy going to get millions on par millions of people killed? Like when he first, like, w did I think that when he first was getting elected? No, but when I do, I think it now. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, it's it's insane. And then on top of all of it, you know, we have um, essentially a little over a year till the midterm elections that could decide the amount of power he has for the remaining days of his first presidency. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and you still have kind of a broken democratic core, a hundred percent, right? Like in, and almost fracturing more by the day mm -hmm. because these, these Antifa, um, protests are also being looked at by certain members of the moderate left as possibly too far. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, as a member of the moderate left, I understand the protests because I've been at that level i know how mm -hmm. that group of people that identify with that feel and that one of the ways that they deal with that is by coming together you know and so i know that they don't really see another version of communicating that other than their presence together mm -hmm. and so i can I, I i side with that as a moderate left but i can see that there are people in the moderate left seeing that as escalating the violence and like in that sense they're being driven into this kind of independent zone, mm -hmm. which is dangerous territory because you're going to have to like, I don't know, you're essentially going to have to bring in more conservative values in order to kind of sway any type of political control and power. And uh, we don't want to lose the moderate left, you know, like, right. We want to keep being the progressive left, but we don't want to be, um, losing people in the core that are on the moderate side that might help in the future. And I, I know like Al Franken's like super left probably, mm -hmm. but to me, he has, he has a moderate way of like divulging that opinion of being left. And that to me is kind of, I guess where I'm at is like, yeah. I'm willing, I'm willing to discourse on the level of like coming towards center but um, I definitely socially, you know, vote and feel left. I see that in Al Franken. And, like, I think we need to, like, find leaders like him who have that ability to be progressive and be left but also work within the system to try and get these values actually pushing momentum in the party and get, get seats back. Because at this point, we're not going to get a third party to disrupt this anymore that's just going to divide the left further mm -hmm. so the only way we can do it is recoalesce and kind of essentially doing the obama coalition i mean it's going to forever be called that but that's the way to get to the white house in the 2000s you know what yeah i think i definitely need to go to more of the, the democratic meetings here because i'm definitely i'm i'm very very socially progressive I can be fiscally conservative if I want to be. Yeah, that, that's normally why I. I yeah, I, I get the, the. I think programs are big, but I think they're overfunded sometimes, and mm -hmm. un, and under. I will not overfunded, but like inefficiently funded. Yeah, exactly. The money that goes to the top doesn't trickle down to the services they're supposed to render. Right, and I think 
for me, I think the gestalt of the budget needs to be re reexamined, not just not just, oh, let's call this thing that we don't like that we give for people for free entitlements and then just go, I don't want those anymore. Right. Right. Like, no, that's not really effective budgeting. Right. You need to know where everything is going and why is it going there and where is it effective and where is it ineffective? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the debate continues, you know, and, and in order to uh, to push against Trump, we have to make sure that we're 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 rising the other boat. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't just throw torches at the one boat. You know, we have to be building the other boat. Right. And, and you know what? Let me write this down because I kind of want to touch on that. And I want to touch on something sociologically representative of what I think is going on now. And kind of a question I pose to you listeners to try to answer for yourselves, too. But keep going. Oh, yeah. Well, essentially. So in my mind, like right now, that's going to be assigning uh, the roles of power in our party to those that we think represent us, you know, and I know the Bernie quotient's out there, but I think age is a factor when it comes to the major leadership. I think mm -hmm. he should be a part of it for as long as he's a part of the Senate and a part of wanting to be in public service. But, of course. Uh, but in a future ballot, I want to see someone in the kind of Al Franken or younger generation um, to be running on that ticket in uh, 20, what is that, 2020? It's the next one. And then uh, on the way there, though, in the senior leadership roles, I want people that are progressive, that have a strong value system, that are able to yield to the independents and yield to the moderate right mm -hmm. in order to get things done and passed, especially if we can get a sway of some blue to take away their uh, majority. And, you know, we need to, to get into these rule committees and stuff and get, mm -hmm. get basically these rules changed so... Um, they don't they can't just hold out then be the party of no by being the party of not participating mm -hmm. you know we have to participate in the debates and uh and bring these things forward and uh yeah that's that's my that's my goal for the party it's smaller goal than saying we can win in 2020 because mm -hmm. i don't know but I think, uh, yeah right now i don't think we can i think we have to build the party back up and we need strong leaders as well as people from the ground up. And I think we've been focusing on the from the ground up a lot, and we need to now kind of also shift some focus to where what the who the leaders are in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, there were people after the 2004 speech that knew Barack Obama was going to be a strong contender in 08. Mm -hmm. They just knew because of his participation in that convention showed his connection to the leadership of the party mm -hmm. his ability to make that public speech so eloquently showed that he had the ability to do that and divulge his message to the people mm -hmm. in a way that they can listen to and uh i think we need to find that senator today you know who's that senator that republican or uh democratic representative who uh who we could see in four to eight years being a strong and, and worthy contender because they're in an office right now they're they're either in an office or they're in a role with somebody tapping them on the shoulder saying you should run for this office mm. so we need to find that person and start building a coalition of people like them towards the future of bill passing. it's not just about president anymore mm -hmm. it's about bill passing it's about judges it's about oh yeah it's about governorships it's about county leaders it's about and so if we don't if we don't find also the leaders, if we're just a bunch of people winning some of these smaller elections, we're never going to get anything 
big done on the on the national scale and we're going to find ourselves bullied out of these committees and out of these processes in general you saw elizabeth warren if she asked if that thing was going to be debated the guy shuffles some papers around and then an intern leans over and tells him something about we've let them participate before and he just kind of like sputes that back out to the public Mm -hmm. i mean it's 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 dumb it's it's bullying essentially oh yeah no for sure and the only way to go against them is to get the numbers back so you get the numbers back you can pass things you can put stuff on the president's desk yeah he can use his veto but he can lose uh confidence from his party if he's only being the veto guy so yeah i think so the touch on that um i think if democrats want to win in 2018 If you listen to the populist conservatives, they really care about, like, three things. And that's God, guns, and jobs. And why are they upset? Because they ain't got no jobs. So, basically, if you have a reinvigorate the country plan, and by the country I mean, you know, rural areas, by bringing industries back to them, it doesn't have to be their same industries. Yeah. It just has to be an industry that people with little to no training it can get into easily or if you're willing to to have them get, have paid training because all they want to do is be able to pay their bills and have fun with their friends it, it's not very hard like like they're very vocal and it and we can be very angry at how they're doing it and what their ideology says but when it comes to practicality they just want to work right. so if you can say <laughs> and then and then on the progressive side the progressives are like that too the progressives are working what the progressive want is they want to be able to live comfortably for how much they work. And yeah, because if you live in a city and the city is booming up in, in how much it costs to live here and you're working two or three jobs or 60% of your income is going to you being able to live. All they're saying is with all this wealth in this high density area, why the fuck is it so hard to live? Exactly. Right. So they're both coming at it from like the same economically focused standpoint it just happens that they're geographically located in different places and it's much easier to pay someone in a rural area 40 to fifty thousand dollars for them to thrive because their property taxes are lower um the price of gas is lower out there too um people drive more but things are like but they're driving at such a high rate of speed most of the time they're not having the city idle as other things too so there's a lot of ways they save money so there's maybe more economic ways you can boost them there but when you come to the city you have to say that's when you're like oh we increase public transportation so people don't have to pay for the driving costs so like if you look at someone making fifty thousand dollars here why is their money not going as far well because sixty percent of that's going to rent and another twenty percent of that is going to be able to live and you got ten percent left what you're supposed to tell them to do save it so they can be a boring ass their entire life no you need them to spend their money in the economy anyway because that's how it fucking works (laughs) so (laughs) it's yeah i mean but somebody also has to come from their area like yeah it's like there's a trust level like and a lot of the people in the left there they're quiet they're they're working in schools you know they're Mm -hmm. doing they're doing their job they're keeping their head down you know they're made fun of because they drive a subaru like Mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's and it's hard for them to see themselves, you know, going to their neighbors and saying, hey, I value your opinion and I know that we differ on certain things. I have a D next to my name for this ballot, mm-hmm. but I would like your vote because I support your values here, here, here and here. 
and I'm your neighbor and you know me, and if I go do this job, I can do it well. And I think that's a hard sell to some of these people, and I think some of these tactics we're seeing in these rallies are similar to the tactics they use when they're Mm -hmm. trying to convince somebody they may or may not want to participate in local politics, and they may or may not be the type of person that should be running for that type of position. Like, uh, small-town elections, I think, are going to be hard to break into, but, but somebody in those roles has to step up and start doing that because if we're not knocking on the doors of the people that are building these coalitions against the values that we hold, then we're not actually looking to stop it, you know, cause if mm-hmm. we're just running presidents against presidents, we're not facing the real issue. Yeah. Which no. is the rising differences amongst our people. Cause everyone who's declares themselves an American, you know, it's the same person. We're the same people, you know, and if you're just a visitor here, then you're just visiting Americans, but whatever, you know, it's like, but if you're if you're living here and you want to be an American, that's every single person that's here right now. You mm-hmm. know, essentially, if you it's if you're on the path to be, I think you are too. If you want to be, essentially, you yeah, are, you are. You know, but right you, for real. But, and there's a, yeah, but then it's 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 the use of violence. I mean, when you study politics, they talk about violence in a certain segment because immediately because it's it's considered a political act. It's always been used as one. Um, on every scale and level, whether it be um, from the the low end of like um, pressuring people not to vote, mm-hmm. uh, all the way up to killing and and maiming and and rioting. I mean, the Haymarket riots, you know, uh, over jobs where they were basically conservative through the corporation hired private police Mm -hmm. you know which was a class of itself versus workers who to some degree were mostly immigrants uh fought in the streets over wage laws and working conditions and and, for sure um i think we're, we're we're continuing that trend and we like to think of ourselves as evolved uh like psychologically mentally that we're somehow like thinking our way beyond these problems but we haven't you know, it's weird. But yeah. I, but I, I mean, hopefully with the forums that people, you know, uh, find in their local areas, town hall meetings, things, we can start to get a dialogue going instead of this just yelling match, you know. Yeah, because going back to our local elections, uh, I wanted to touch on how I've noticed a lot of my uh, moderate left friends very much scoff at the idea of Nikita Oliver becoming a uh, mayor and based on uh, right now it seems like the two are going into the general or Jenny Durkin and Carrie Moon and right but it was interesting because Nikita Oliver got um the third amount of votes there and it's definitely and I'm definitely going to vote for Carrie Moon if it comes down to that once because I think it's August 23rd when we have the official official tally of everything but that was just pro- uh, projected tallies when we when I checked um, a few weeks ago. Right. And uh, and then it's very because I think I want to start going to these Democratic meetings uh, as a progressive and as a progressive through understanding how hard it is to like if you if you think a person who lives at a certain or who works a certain amount should have a standard of living and and then and they're not able to obtain that here. It would be interesting to see why, because I think that is definitely the moderate left that it's affecting that. 
Right. And I think because I had this conversation with my much more progressive friends where it's kind of like, okay, I want to live in a one bedroom apartment and pay 30% of my income for it. Should that be allowed or am I being a whiny little bitch? And and that's kind of like one of the questions I want to pose because sometimes some people would be like, no, you're being a whiny little bitch. You need to be able to live within your means until you can afford that. And other people would be like, well, no, I should be able to afford that because I work. And it's like, well, which one? Who's right? Or who's wrong? Or is it a mix of the two? And I was going to say, so uh, in the in the election that you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie Moon took second place with 15.6% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And in third place, Nikita Oliver had 13.9. So it's a tight margin. That is a tight margin. And especially for uh, being a third party candidate, like listed it of a th- as a third party candidate in a major mm-hmm. city election. That's pretty good. It's and, pretty good. The next closest representative got 11.8. And that's uh, Justin Farrell, right? Yep. Bob Hasegawa got 8.6. Former Mayor Mike McGinn got 7.2%. Fuck yes. I'm so happy you got 7.2%. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess the most surprising is the amount of support U.S. former U.S. Attorney Jenny Durkin had in the community. I was a Not little, really. She doubled everybody with 31%, though. N- yeah, because she had the most donors. And, you know, if anybody ever looks at a... Um, a map of Seattle zoning just see like just look at all the white parts and all the white parts are like like white beige and kind of beiger I guess it's ironic that is like that but uh all of those places are single family homes and that's where she had the support of and that's where the stronghold of money is and that's also been where the stronghold of anti-development in my part of the city has been so it, it's very, very understandable that that swath of people voted for her so they can say, we know Seattle's getting developed. And guess what? That's cool. Just stay the fuck out of my backyard. And, and that's and, and so and then everyone else is saying like, yeah, but that's why you're making this part of the area and then displacing all these other people. And, and then basically just through inaction, it's just like, well, we're rich. Why the fuck do we care? And so, and I think that's kind of the battle that was going on there. Some for- and I think that battle kind of got divided between a certain number of candidates. But I think if the people who voted for Nikita Oliver and the people who voted for Carrie Moon, and if they can garner support from people who voted for Justin Farrell and Bao Hasegawa, you can beat Jenny, um, Jenny Durkin. But only if those four groups of people coalesce with each other and say, we're voting against her. Right. And I, I could, I could maybe see that. Yeah. I think I think the runoff is is really going to be anybody's game. It, it focuses the the electorate. Um, is the runoff going to happen in November? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, yeah, it's going to be a tighter race I think than people expect. So um, I I think you're right. There's definitely going to be a uh, Nikita Oliver supporter wanting to buck the trend, then uh, and write her in maybe. Carrie Moon definitely needs to say, I'm going to put these people in my administration in these areas at day one to get the support of everyone else. Yeah. 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 Good showing by Nikita Oliver, though. Yeah. That's a that's an impressive run for a third party candidate in major city and, you know, technically still a ride in candidate. Yeah. Uh, stranger things have happened, uh, including here in Seattle, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> We have The Stranger as one of our weekly free newspapers. <laughs> and the last question I wanted to pose to you guys is, like, from a sociological standpoint, if you know there's a – I think a, it's kind of a callback in its own sense where I talked about folkways, mores, and uh, taboos. 
So there's a certain swath of America that doesn't think the KKK is taboo. And I would ask the question, when the fuck did that happen? But that seems mainly rhetorical because I think in those parts of the country, it's never not been taboo. Right. Right. But I, and, or, but I think it's been at least weird. Right. Like, so like uh, a folkways are informal rules that while not offensive to violate are expected to be followed. It's like, like if you meet a person and they re- shake it and like reach out their hand for you to shake it and you don't shake it, people will be like, yo, that's weird. But they won't be like, what the fuck didn't you shake? Like, well, some people might, but yeah. Okay. But, but then if you go to peeing on the sidewalk, someone will go, no, you're not supposed to be peeing on the sidewalk and I'm going to call the police on you. And uh, that would be uh, more racist. But then taboos are things that you just don't do. Like, those are, uh-uh, no, right? And it really feels like the whole white supremacy thing, now that it's wrapped up in a new bow, has gone from being, uh-uh, you don't do that, to it's gone from taboo to folk way, and that's fucking weird. Okay. And and I'm just like, how is it because they wrapped it in a new bow? Is it that you think it's still not taboo to just hate black people for being black? Seriously? And, and that's kind of where I'm at with the all, all these like things that are happening, all these events and white pride things. I'm kind of like, oh. right, right. Well, and they're they're packaging it as yeah, right pride. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and and people are making the uh, the interesting statement to not bow it as alt right that this is true right now, like this is where the right stands because the right's not standing against this. You know, Trump's speech was vague and didn't really speak to the issue of any type of racial mm-hmm. demographic of, of what was happening and that it was a white supremacist rally, essentially. And, I mean, it's it yeah. ha- it, it's had its moments. There was definitely a resurgence even here in the Northwest in the late 80s, mm-hmm. kind of early 90s. And I think it centered kind of in the, like, Coeur d'Alene area of, like, Idaho. Okay. But brought in some from kind of, like, that spokane kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a bit of uh, of a movement happening in kind of the, the Portland. There was, like, a, a kind of a, a moment in the late 80s mm-hmm. where there was a spike in, uh, in the kind of skinheadish activity. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing that it stays kind of hidden yeah, and then comes out every once in a while and is like, oh, we're, we're a bunch of people and we have this idea and everyone believes in this. Ha. And there, it's just, and then now that they have like certain speaking pieces in power, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's becoming just more absurd and more scary because it's becoming more real right yeah and uh, and especially when they get their news from outlets who basically take something cherry pick it extrapolate on it emphatically and then people believe it because the emphasis is in conjunction with their emphasis right yeah 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 well uh what else did you have uh going forward in the week to talk to people i mean uh obviously that's kind of been the uh the you know the whole north korea issue is uh is continuing uh a recent graphic that was like an infographic uh it showed that the previous test was like it could reach anchorage and now it's like it could reach seattle oh shit so i'm like great there's like a national infographic now out there saying that yeah north korea could technically nuke seattle so it's like oh that's not good yeah it's not it's not the the best feeling um 
Yeah, and uh, and I and I mean, you know, <laughs> what's stopping them? You know, what's stopping them is collateral damage to themselves. Yeah, it's it, they they are small, and they have way less people than we do. I think they only have what forty two million people. Okay, and they know that with our firepower. And with our allies in the area, the amount of damage they could do to us and what we could do to them in reciprocation wouldn't wouldn't be tan like it wouldn't be good for them. Yeah. Like like yeah, they could be like like fuck it, we're done. We're blowing up random random American city. Doesn't matter what it is. And especially with President Trump in office. If that happens, President Trump is going to be like, no, push all the buttons. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. North Korea will be wiped off the face of the map. And then I could probably start a a world war because then China would be like, but no, they they had a lot of stuff that we actually could use. Like, we got their stuff cheaply, so we could boost our middle class in China. Blah, 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 blah. Now, now you fucked up our middle class. That means you fucked up our economy. Okay, fuck you. We're fucking with this ally. We're fucking this ally. Like, so it could cascade into something, but I, I think that, and especially with China joining in on the sanctions, with North Korea, I think North Korea knows that it is a dumb idea to to fire on a mainland U.S. state. That's why they said we're gonna attack Guam. Guam? Yeah, because yeah, Guam's not mainland. Yeah. Like, like how many how many Americans know that Guam is even a U.S. territory? Yeah, very few, probably. Right, and they know it's closer and everything too. And they never said they're gonna use a nuclear bomb on it. They just said they're going to attack it. But, you know, people will use closure and come to their own conclusions. And because of all the rhetoric going on, it's easy to conclude, oh, yeah, we're going to put a, uh, they're going to put a bomb on it and do a nuclear thing on Guam. <gasps> right. So it's. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's posturing on both sides. But I do have to comment on something that upset me when I saw Trump saying his fire and fury thing. He was hugging himself hugging himself hard and that meant that man was so insecure about the shit he was saying he probably shouldn't even have fucking said it hmm. and like and, and and this is president and, and the thing that gets me is i shouldn't be upset but this is president trump president Trump is like we have to show force we have to show strength we have to be the people who are not going to back down be strong <laughs> right and you're hugging yourself as the president of the united states talking to a country that in in the form of everyone who lives in the goddamn country that you're supposed to be in charge of would be a blip on the, the thing that you're supposed to do he's the type of person that you just don't talk to like he's just he's just trying to bark so you can get your attention but no your your ego just can't take it president trump and now i'm kind of mad because your ego could probably get us killed so you need to shut the fuck up yeah <laughs> so yeah it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Uh, have you? Uh, I guess we'll we'll take a quick uh, divergence from the the heady topics. Have you seen any of the uh, summer blockbuster movies, or do you have any on your uh, on your must see list this um, year? So the one I saw was uh, Spider Man. Okay. And Spider Man was legit. Of course, Marvel did it right. If you like Spider Man. And you've been if you've been disappointed in both the ones from the aughts and the ones from the early tens, 
you should watch this one because I feel like the ones from the odds had a good Peter Parker, but not a good Spider-Man. And the one from the early 10s had a great Spider-Man, but I'm kind of like, why, why, why does Peter Parker cool? Does P- Peter Parker ain't supposed to be cool. Peter Parker is a nerd. Like, nerd. Alright, so... So I think they got that balance right in this one. And I think it helped that they established him in Civil War and allowed him to have Tony as a mentor and all that technological boost allowed for us to have Spider-Man as Spider-Man without it feeling weird or having to be too new. Right, right, yeah. And then uh, also there was a... uh when the franchise i guess it was a little early was the uh the guardians of the galaxy that was kind of like super early summer yeah i mean summer blockbuster season basically starts memorial day to labor day so yeah i guess it was in there uh so that was a good one um and then uh there were some funny ones i haven't seen yet the baywatch movie i know hannibal burst has a cameo in it oh shit okay yeah i want to see that you got the rock running that show though yeah uh, of course, Wonder Woman came out this year. Oh, I year. saw that too. So that was uh, the big one for Marvel. Uh, DC. And speaking of, oh, is this DC, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say, but speaking of Marvel, they uh, there was some leaked uh, footage of that trailer of uh, Inf- uh, Infinity Wars. Oh, shit, I didn't see that. Which is the next installment of like a, the, the kind of the Guardians and, uh, and Avengers crossover, essentially. It's like a, it's a comic book that was written back in the day. So I think it's Stan Lee. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, you're Spider-Man, so Homecoming, so you, you like, you like the new nerdy, uh, reprisal. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're pulling him in, he's gonna be in Infinity Wars. Mm-hmm. So, uh. Infinity Wars gonna be epic. And I did, I didn't see the new installment of War for the Planet of the Apes, but I've heard that it's actually good. Oh, okay. You know what? I kinda, like, I might just have to binge one of those one day, like, all of them. Because I, I saw him, I was like, this is going to be like a one-and-done series, right? Like, you got Draco Malfoy in your movies. What? Wait, there's another? Wait, there, there was like a third? Yo, wait, say what, son? <laughs> so, and then we got Atomic Blonde, which I didn't see. I need to see that, But my though. coworker saw it, and he said it was really good. I might want to see that today, actually. There you go. Things to do. Things to do. Uh, but yeah, that's always a good, you know, the thing about, um, our world is we can't solve all these problems, uh, right away at all times. Sometimes we got to take a little break Yeah. from, uh, from that. And one way to do that is to go check into a movie theater, get a nice thing of popcorn, mm-hmm. just, you know, some candy, you know, don't tell your doctor later. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and kind of go into the storytelling. Cause that is part of an example of where our freedom of speech has taken us. You know, to to where these creative story writers now have this free reign to oh, make, yeah. to make these amazing stories, and none of that would have been possible without the drive and engine of American cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there was European cinema that was already existing in the early days, but we drove what people see today, and and it has changed kind of the, the element, and that's an American ideal, and that's something that has to do with with different cultures being able to make statements and make movies that people can see all over the world. And, and I think those are the kind of ideals that we can kind of latch onto in these moments when we, we're, we're feeling like there's no hope and we're feeling like the only way we're going to get out of this is in a war. Mm-hmm. And, and that needs to, to be turned into these creative measures that help kind of digest and evolve these feelings and emotions in a way that people can 
can watch and take in. And maybe we can start to have uh, some of these documentarians kind of taking the topics we're talking about today in 2017 and 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 portray them in a way that's not about the echo chamber and and talking to the people you know but actually showing on the ground the facts of these places and these jobs that they speak of that they need and help kind of combine these these issues and then make their summer movie come out you know next year Mm -hmm. when we're all you know hopefully beyond some of this you know hopefully but obviously a lot of it is still going to be there and and help tell this story because right now you know there's a lot of hearts and minds that need to be molded in in a way that that is progressive and helpful and 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 socially conscious and i think if we if we drop the ball now it's gonna it pretty much wars the only answer it's like the only way out of it yeah eventually if you start down this path of division i mean our country's been there before yeah for sure and and it's definitely like when I hear about it, it is one thing you're supposed to do in society is when you see someone doing something that you don't want to be a part of your society, you're supposed to condemn it 110%. So when everybody's looking and so when it comes to people saying like, we need to hear both sides, I wasn't exactly like how I felt about it. And when I first started hearing that I was kind of like, yeah, I want to hear, I want to hear what they have to say, but I want to hear what they have to say. So I know how to combat against it. Not because I think it's on equal footing at first, but now i'm kind of like uh, this isn't supposed to be a thing that um that we want to allow in our society so the constant pushback on it and constantly saying like because we think it's a taboo and taboos get crushed by society this is why we say it's okay to punch a nazi and 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 that's where like before i was like well, what do you mean about their views? But I'm like, no, it's a taboo, and we want it to remain taboo, and this is what we fucking do. We crush taboos. And then there's a swath of people who says, well, in our culture, it's not a taboo, and we're just saying, like, fuck you, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, you're not trying to make this not a taboo anymore. Yeah. This is a taboo. Actually, I had a conversation with someone I met at a party where they were all like, they thought in the ni- or 1865 that when – once slavery was abolished everyone was like oh yeah slavery ain't shit i'm like do you not know about jim crow yeah do you not know it wasn't wasn't until the 90s that mississippi actually got rid of slavery within their own state constitution yeah i mean like yeah so yeah it's a sordid unsorted history man it's still going to this day and uh people cling to the idea mm-hmm. of the south will rise again yeah it's not a joke to them no it's not and uh and yeah so it's 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 becoming a uh, a battle of ideologies and if it continues it becomes a battle itself mm-hmm. and that's that's just the way it is and uh countries have come down from posturings like this in different political ways yeah um countries have also dissolved in this fashion so yeah i mean like the spanish had their own civil war right around world war Two. yeah that changed the whole scope of things so i mean that could happen here i mean we hope it wouldn't but i would definitely say that now it's pretty clear to me that within america like the two cultural divides have very, very, very different and very, very held mores, folkways, and taboos that clash with each other hard. And we have to figure out a way can we like 
like if we can actually go why isn't this taboo for you but for them to go why is it taboo for y'all and then come like and then maybe come to an understanding of why it should be taboo and yeah it's because like taboos are taboos for a reason and things change over time and as more people believe things to be taboo it continues to go into that direction and other things become less frowned upon so like before wearing a bikini in the 50s would have been like that's too much skin and now there's some people who go that's too much skin but the too much skin before overall. yeah yeah too okay. much skin was a taboo before and it is to some religious people still but now too mu- there's no such thing as too much skin at the beach in america unless you're naked right and even some places that's acceptable so yeah 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 i see what you're saying i know uh, some people might say you just said the word taboo like 40 times, but if you had a drinking game going for this episode, I'd say just drink whenever he said taboo. Yeah. I mean, that's, or, the- or, you know, where not drink. I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> only support the habit of alcohol imbibement. Uh, but yeah, man, is there, uh, any, uh, final, like grow your brain segments or anything you've got for the people before we, uh, make our way out of the digital radio hemisphere? Uh, you know what? Not much this week. I haven't really come across anything uh, other than, you know, sign up for the Great Courses Plus. Um, take the, their nationalism versus globalism class because that kind of like as a basis to understand the scope of everything that's going on here, at least from an economical standpoint. It's kind of good to listen to. Okay. And um, also call back to the um, uh, the 13 uh, regional cultures of America. That'll kind of tell you what the sociological um aspects of all this are especially why the the far the far west has coalesced in a red coalition with the south because they're kind of like because honestly they were kind of like the south of the 1800s so so you can kind of see why yeah and And they've been using the iconography for a while so they've been putting the confederate flags on things they've Mm -hmm. been having rallies they've been doing this for a while in those parts they just have less of a southern twang yeah exactly some of them seem to kind of develop one though it's weird it almost comes a little bit comes with the confederate flag almost (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah uh otherwise guys uh you know stay woke uh fight hard and uh good luck in your local communities i mean if uh if somebody's uh out there and and knows somebody that's recently garnered a position of power like mayor or student government even (laughs) at this point Mm -hmm. uh tell us about the successes uh you can get at me at twitter at c-town mayor uh i'm your local municipality by the coast Helping out, helping out your local municipality by the coast. And uh, Chaz, man, how can they get at you? You can always find me on Twitter at CRSII. Post me there. Um, and also we have a Facebook page. So if you want to look at us up on Facebook at How You Living, uh, yeah, we'll start having more conversations there. We'll post some uh, things that we're looking at during the week. And, of course, let you know when new episodes are up. So follow us. There you go. Add a follow. Uh, and with that, I say uh, adieu and uh, enjoy your rest of your weekend and your week. Yeah, y'all too. I buy a new car for the bitch. For real. I tear down the mile with the bitch. For real. You can't even talk to the bitch. Nah. She fucking with bosses and shit. Oh, God. I pull up in Rory's and shit. Sure. With choppers and Harleys and shit. For real. I be Gucci down. Gucci